All right, Jeff. Hey, hey, Jeff. Hey, Dave. Hey, I got it. I got it. I got it. You did. I do. You finally? No, no, don't. No, I didn't. Didn't. I do got it. You do got it. Yeah, I got it. I don't know what you're talking about. What oh, you got? You're gonna love this. Okay. All right. You know how we get donations? Yeah. Right. Okay. I got it. This brilliant idea. So, okay. Now we're like, uh, we're like, we're, we're housed here in America, United States of America. Yes, we are. I've right. Yeah. And there's a cert. There's one tax rate for that. Yeah. We can open up this thing. It's like called like an offshore corporation. Uh-huh. Yeah. We all we gotta do is go to this foreign country. You pay them like a one-time fee, and they'll open up this fake corporation for you. And they'll even, you'll have to you can even name like the dude to be in charge of it in a foreign country. And we make up little bylaws like that can say things like even we don't even have to meet as a corporate. Or any ever, just the guy Manuel in a foreign country can say that he held a meeting. Okay, we meet those legal requirements. Yeah, we can take all of our profits and put them in this offshore thing, and 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 even better, we can also go to Ireland. Ireland, like, doesn't charge any like tax at all, right? right. And we can stay with most of our production here in the United States. And open up a thing in Ireland and, like, not pay any taxes at all. Just like Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's a great idea. I got it. Dave, just one thing. What? What, Jeff? We don't make any money. Hi, everybody. We're back with another episode of the Two Half Squads. Hello, everybody. That's Dave. I'm Jeff. I'm Boo-Boo. And then, oh, no. Uh, hey, hey, Yogi. You're a Boo-Boo. I'm a Yogi. Uh, and this is the Two Half Squads, the only podcast dedicated 100% to... The mostly greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. Although now I kind of like Small World. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, You. so you've played it. Yes. Yeah. And I, was, I think the family will get into it once we get rolling on it. The, Thir- 1313 Mocking, not Mockingbird Lane, 1313 Dead End Drive. Don't th- I don't know if you can get this thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, board game, great family game. Everyone's a character. And then there's a sheet that has the inheritance, $1,000 per family member, per person in this mansion. And you kill, you can move any piece, any of the figures on the board. So, like, I can move your figures to the traps, and then someone else or I would have throw the trap cards. Uh-huh. So the goal is to move the other people to the traps, throw the traps, killing them, and then their inheritance moves down the hierarchy. And the last uh, one on the hierarchy is the, the family cat. And then... Poopsie. Yeah. Someone is Poopsie. Somebody is Poopsie. And Poopsie usually ends up with a lot of cash because... You're killing off everyone above them, and it falls down this ladder like it slides down. So the goal is to eliminate these other people, and then you get off the board with the most inheritance. Ah. So if, if you're in the middle of the hierarchy and you have inherited two or three other people's inheritance, maybe it's time to run off the board. But you're trying to move off, and other people can move you back. 
but you can have a run for it car, which gives you an extra move. And it has the whole little traps where you actually physically move with them. Like you flip the little lever on the boar's head over the fireplace and it falls and kills someone. Oh, or the, so the it's 3 suit of armor falls over. Like yeah, plastic, Like mousetrap, yes. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. This is a game you've got. Family game. Family game. When Laura first bought it, her being a little more conservative, um, she worried it would be bad for the children. <laughs> Too violent. Everybody's, and she were, probably feared for her life. Now, the saving grace is you don't have any money to to give the kids an inheritance. So no, in our real life, they'll no. never knock you off. Yeah. So that's not teaching them anything they can use. Yeah, but actually, we really enjoy it as a family, and so it's good. The fa- families should play games together. I'm not going to harp on, you know, too long about the fact that my family won't play games with me, but. <laughs> I was having a conversation with my daughter, my eldest daughter, the other day who just graduated from college, and and she was going on and on about hockey because she loves hockey. Oh, and go said, Hawks. Oh, Dad, you know, Dad, you don't like anything we like, you know, and we used to play games with you. <laughs> and I said, well, Liz, you know, you played once. <laughs> you played half a game of Settlers of Catan, and that was all I could stand because you guys, it was like I was torturing you. <laughs> Oh, oh no, what, we played more than that. What no. do we have to do next have, in this game, yeah. Dad? We have to yeah. do what? Yeah. Oh. Horrible. <laughs> How long Horrible. does this game take, yeah. Dad? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so. to be honest, our family has had many fights where it breaks down to where one child is mocking the other for losing part of the game, and it can it can be bad. So we were really excited that this game went, for the most part, about, I'd say, 80% perfectly well. Oh, good. Yes. Well, that's great. Now, if you can get them into squad later. Yep, I think Small World. That'll be next. It's and then the gateway. ASL. To ASL. Actually, the Small boys are ready. For, I'm gonna, this summer, the goal is to get Adam and, I think, Aaron playing individual games with me of ASL. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's well, a we'll good see. goal. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Can't force them. You can, but it's no fun. Correct. So, uh, what day is today, anyway? <laughs> I don't know, because I jumped right into that, didn't I? Did. Tuesday, the 28th of May, Blackhawks are tied up 3-3 with the Red Wings. So, Chicago's quite excited. Jeff's daughter's quite excited. I'm sure. She likes hockey. She does. Jeff doesn't like anything and, they like. And we go out to dinner, and I ask them about <clears throat> hockey, what's going on, where, you know, what's exciting, tell me about all... All the stuff. Do they ever say, hey, what's new in Squad Leader? No. <laughs> Have they ever listened to the podcast? No. Am I going to stop complaining now? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Speak, speaking of games and doing things you're not supposed to, like yeah. telling game stories. Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Go ahead. And Justin's D&D World. Yes. Party member turned on us as we were fighting the big bad boss. Oh. Most exciting evening of D and I've had in a very long time. I was really out to get him at one point. We kinda knew he was gonna do this from a previous action, which I'll spare you the details of, but I'll tell you off the air. Um so when it happened, me and the other guy, one of the tanks, the Warforged fighter, were like, Okay, if he does this, we're, he's going down first. And we just stayed right on him and the DM's like, You realize there is the big bad boss over here throwing fireballs at y'all and we're like, Yeah, we don't care. Someone else can go get him. This guy's going down. And uh, so this is a player character. Yeah, and he turned, turned on us. How come? Yeah, what was his? I think for fun. What was his motive? Well, the, the evil, motivation. The, the big bad was yeah, sending letters, promising oh, riches and ah, tempting the party. It, yeah. And one, 
the the tank warforged guy did not turn coat. This other character did turn coat, ah. and uh, when he died, my druid, being neutral, neutral, said, "I chop the body up. I feed part of it to the my tiger, pet tiger. I burn the rest. I stuff his head with garlic, and I bury him in five, eight different places, and scatter the ashes on the ocean. <laughs> like he's not coming back. Yeah, no resurrection for you. Yeah. So I was really, really into getting this little thing done. Yeah, he will not survive at all costs, even if we all go down." So, but it was exciting. I'll bet. Yes. Was there screaming and uh, sacrificing of animals and tearing of clothing and things um, like that? A little of the tearing of clothing. Gnashing of teeth? Yes, gnashing yeah. of teeth. Excellent. Excellent night's entertainment. Indeed. Well, good. Well, what else? We got, a, we got so much, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I don't know. So, where do you want to start? I guess maybe we have to start with letters. Oh, uh, we could start with letters? That always gets things rolling. Maestro, cue the music. Maestro? There he is. Thank you, Maestro. When a party member turns on you, then he must be killed. (laughs) (laughs) You can turn anything into war. I love that about you. You can. So, Jeffrey. All right. Here we go. I see you sent us an email. I, I sent us an email? That seems a little ridiculous. Of course, we don't, you know, you and I don't actually see each other enough. No. Yeah. True. It is true. Yeah. I mean, the, almost the only time we see each other is when we're doing the show or playing a little squad leader, which only happens about once every six weeks. Partly because our D&D game did split up. We're on yes, hiatus. right. Maybe it's time to ring that back for the summer. Yeah, maybe. And I think I remember asking you to play squad leader last Saturday, and my your response and was... And I could not. Yeah, I was already booked. Uh-huh, because you're doing what? You were doing Sunday with what? Sunday with who? Oh, I was doing Sunday with Rich. Traitor. Yeah. You must die too, traitor <laughs> yes. to the party. <laughs> I will gladly sacrifice myself. Okay, let's go. Letters. Are you taking the first one? No, you sent it to us. Oh, I did. <laughs> Kubrick? Yeah. Prepared well once again, I see. I'm not going to do that one yet. Yeah. And we have a letter here from David Williams, Carlsbad, California. And I'll paraphrase this for you. He's basically asking a question about gaming war and a moral dilemma. It's ASL is a realistic war game about World War II, and so you know most of the Germans were good soldiers fighting for an evil cause. However, you know the atrocities, the Japanese genocide does this give you pause as you play soldiers and as real as you can make it war game and please note i'm not chastising here i play squad leader in the 80s and have returned to war gaming with starter kit one it used to buy it yeah it okay here's my take on that jeff i didn't wouldn't play i didn't like vietnam war games it seemed too recent. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was really uncomfortable with, um, like, current event war games too. Mm-hmm. Just really struck me as, eh, you shouldn't do this. When Squad Leader was being played the first time, because it was so further back in history, I think I could separate that in my mind: mm-hmm. game versus 
reality. And then came the game with the SS and the ZOB, were they? The Partisans in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Right. And that I remember there being articles somewhere in some... Mila 18. Yes. I remember there being articles somewhere long ago. I, mean, I don't think it was the general, but it may have been the third-party production. Is this the... Does this bother anybody? Yeah. And several people said, I don't like playing that one. Yeah. I didn't have a problem at the time with that. Again, maybe the separation of history. So since then, I'm ready to play Vietnam games. So I have bought miniatures, ready to build them into an army, starting to like it as history again. Yeah. Oh, boy, I should learn more about this conflict. You know, if I game it, I'll, I'll study it, the battles more, I'll be able mm. to teach it better. I should do this. And I like painting the miniatures kind of in honor of, but I also paint them in honor of the enemy. Yes. You know, the Viet Cong, you know, we should show what they're like. And I don't know if I'm honoring them. Well, why, should, couldn't I? What were they fighting for? Yeah. To save their country, to have their independence. Okay, I don't want to get too crazy. We're going to get a lot of mail now. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you think about the playing at war well i come across this um, myself fairly regularly uh, because i think and it's not just in war gaming it's i like to watch war movies Uh i like to play violent video games i like to read comic books which is full of violence it doesn't have to be war it's violence it's people fighting and sometimes i think i shouldn't be doing this as a pacifist you know, and, and as, I think as generally I'm as a mostly pa- a pacifist, pacifist yeah. guy, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. It can't be good for me. And yet, um, I don't know. I also like to play him. I can't help it. I like to play him, and I like to watch the movies. And this is—I've come across this a number of times, and I've wondered about it. And uh, I've read some articles regarding it. There's an interesting article. Hold on a second. I'm having a brain seize here. Well, like maybe it wasn't an article, but I've read it in several books recently because I've been reading more books about the war in the Pacific against mm-hmm. the Japanese. And even though it's been 50 years, there are still some prejudices against the Japanese. We People can't really look at them as honorable people trying to just expand and provide for their people. Right. And they had to go through these things, these things in order to do it. It's a struggle. I struggle with it all the time. But you can't, I just think, can't worry about it. Just play. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, really. No one's play. really dying. Nobody's really dying. Nobody's really dying. We're and not glorifying it. I think, no, I don't believe we are glorifying yeah, and I it I think at that's, all. that's where it would be a problem, is if yes. we were glorifying it. Yeah, no, I truly don't believe that, yeah. right? And films today can't do that because people are too savvy now. Yeah. I, it's hard to go back and actually glorify it. You can honor the people. And I think I mentioned the word honor earlier when I was talking about painting miniatures or, or right. reading about it or being doing it. Um, and when Clint Eastwood made the movie, he made two movies a couple of years ago. You may recall he made Letters from Iwo Jima uh-huh. which, and Flag of Our Fathers. So yes. Flag of Our Fathers was the American, American perspective, perspective and Letters from Iwo Jima was the Japanese perspective, honoring both sides. And I never did see the Letters from Iwo. And, and 20 or 30 years ago that would have been unheard of. Correct. That is correct. And my first encounters with this, now that we're talking, were when I was very little. My dad is a liberal pastor, uh, 
and he would not mind if I played, you know, Army in the backyard. We did it all the time. And, you know, he used to play Battle of Stalingrad in the backyard in the snow in the winter of, you know, whatever, because his older brother was off actually fighting the war, yeah. and they, he was doing that. But we went to a friend's house, and I was like, hey, you want to play Army? And we got sticks or, or hobby horses and used them as rifles or something on, you know, the stick horses. Um, and I was basing it off of the Sand Pebbles, which I had seen the, the movie about the American oh, great unit movie. in China. I was just looking rebellion. for that movie today at the library. Oh, really? The yeah. Sand Pebbles? I'd yeah. like to see it again, too. Great, great book, too. And so we were, like, playing, and his father came down. We were at his house, a pastor. And said to his son, son, you know, we don't do that. We don't allow that. We don't yeah. do that. And he, you know, put down his gun. And I put down my little toy gun. I was like, oh, I do, I'm doing something bad. Mm. Well, his family, they didn't even want the children playing at war. Yeah. And I think I'm as much of a pacifist as his child is. Yeah. Even though I played at war. But right. anyway. Boy, this show's gotten too serious. So, well, <laughs> it's a good question and, and something people have to ask themselves and I think it boils down to if you're if you're glorifying it, there's something wrong. You need to need to take pause and think about yeah. what you're doing. Another bad thing you're going to be be to like have laugh at the horrible things, right? And not you know, right? Yeah, kind of. You can't it. read about. There's a line yeah. there too. Yeah. It. yeah, if you're reading about it and laughing, that's different you, you than reading about it and just being enthralled. <laughs> okay. Anyway. And we have a note of uh, a donation we would like to thank for helping to make this show possible. Stephen A. Thank you very much for your thank kind you, donation, Stephen. Sweet. We got uh, several donations recently. So, uh, Rob, Bow- Rob Brown has written and said that he was going to be sending us some books through Amazon. And so, Dave. They arrived. Quickly, quickly put in his <laughs> address book, his address. <laughs> yeah, mine goes in for. <laughs> And you got the books. And what did we get? The Canadian books. This is very nice. And uh, Jeff is going to read. I'm going to read Once Upon a a Wartime, A Canadian Who Survived the Devil's Brigade by Peter Leighton Cottingham. And I am looking forward to this. And I'm going to read Hell in High Water, Canada and the Italian Campaign, because everyone should learn more about Canada in World War II. I think so, too. Thank you very much for that, Rob. We're uh, looking forward to these. What else? Dennis Donovan wrote... And he said, again, congratulations on the fifth anniversary. Let me guess, you went to Portillo's for a nice candlelit game of ASL after having a few old styles in the parking lot. (laughs) You know, I used to actually drink in the parking lot of Osco Drug Store. Really? Jewel. Yeah? Yeah, we used to go out there. We worked there and drink in the parking lot. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. I think the cops would come by and just go like, hey, guys, move on. It's a very nice parking lot. (laughs) Lovely there. Um, now, I have been known to go over there because it's only a block from my house. Well, this was I've a different known, one, but yes, oh, okay. continue. I've been known to go over to Dominic's and uh, buy a six-pack and maybe open one up on the way home. That's only yeah, a block. I don't think <laughs> Why don't you wait till you get home? No, I can't. can't wait. Get too excited. And uh, he goes on to say that uh, he uh, reminded us about the movie Winter War, about the Finns. We still haven't seen that. Yeah. That he did find it on Amazon now for twenty four bucks, and oh. thirdly, that was his second point. The World of Tanks website. He saw an interesting article which shoehorns nicely with the last episode with the Japanese and his last DASL PTO scenario, Nightmare in Naha. And I have not heard of that scenario. 
scenario. And so, anyway, World of Tanks website, we're going to bookmark that for everybody. Oh, good. Down in the links. We can watch that, or we can play that in our spare time. Got a letter here from, oh, a tweet from Matt Olson, who just uh, tweeted. We don't do a lot on Twitter, but nice to see you. Do some, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the two half squads, round table three is out. The graveyard shift tonight is going to be a little bit better. Yes, that was our our episode on the last bid, so we hope you enjoyed it. That was a good show. I enjoyed it. We got another donation earlier in the month from... Yeah, don't know if we should say the name. Are we allowed to? Uh, First names and last initials. Dana. Dana L. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate it very much. I want to go back to this book for a second. Once Upon a Wartime, a Canadian who survived the Devil's oh, Brigade. And yes. I don't know if this has will have anything to do with it. It should, though. But the, there's an Amazon, uh, well, there's a movie that came out back in the mm, 60s or 70s. I may have mentioned it a couple of times called The Devil's Brigade with William Holden, Cliff Robertson, and others. And it's all about the early days of World War II with... Uh, and I believe it's about, yeah, it's, it's about the Canadian soldiers and American GIs who were banded together and sent into the lines over uh, in southern Italy. So you, are, you, Dave, are invited to come over and watch the Devil's Brigade one night. I will do with that with me. you. Looking forward to that. Or add it to the list of films we say we'll watch. Yeah. Together we never do. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little letter here from Jack. And he sent it in and... Um, complimented us on the show so we thank you jack for listening he also sent in a question so i just thought i'd take the opportunity to remind everybody we don't really answer questions oh rules question yeah rules questions first of all yeah. you don't really want jeff and i answering no. your rules questions well, i'd be happy to answer <laughs> oh you don't even joke about that uh, well i think earlier on earlier in the show we would say send us your rules questions because we we didn't know no how never, the show was really going to work no we used i to do i'll that. bet you we never ever said it how much are you going to bet me? I'll bet you the cost of that movie we're going to watch together. A dollar ninety nine. Yeah, that's it. I'm in. No, I, we I, never said that. We never said that. I'm sure we said. Oh, he's never said that. All right, but it makes sense. You got a podcast. You got two guys, right? And they talk about the rules, right? Send them a question. Yeah. So, and I actually did answer him. Oh, good. I had some time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, I don't want to, you know, but I'm going to go ahead and give this a shot, and I'm not even sure I'm right, and. It, Basic question, but I think so. So anyway, thank you, Jack. Yeah. Just tell everybody that you're right. And uh, as long as you answer with confidence, that's what people are really looking for, and they don't care if it's right or not, as long as you're confident. <laughs> and we got a, a message, an anonymous message, posted right to the website for episode 90. Hey, guys, uh, how many times will you guys say Sam Tyson in one episode? Talk about name dropping. Sheesh. Great episode. Keep up the dull work. Confused in L.A., Matt. Well, that's our friend Matt, Matt Morocco. And uh, we did say Sam Tyson quite a bit in that episode. We did. We did. Did we say Sam Tyson? I think we said Sam Tyson. And I I don't know. I think Sam Tyson wrote and said, great episode. And no doubt he was referring (laughs) to the fact that we said Sam Tyson quite a few times. And I have an email from Rick Carter. Hey, Jeff and Dave, um, he wants to mention, he was listening to 89 episode, and I think it was, and or, okay, 
I was listening to episode 89, I think it was, and you read a letter from an Andy Cowan or Cohen. Anyway, Andy was wondering if I was the Rick Carter from Union Springs, New York. And guess what, Andy? It is. It is not. No, it is the same. (laughs) Wow. It is the same. And he says, if Andy gave you any contact info, feel free to pass on my email address. So here we go, guys. More matchmaking at the two half squads. So glad to help. And if we didn't send that to either one of you, email us again and we'll get that right out. Wow. That's cool. It's going to be a beautiful reunion. Oh, and Rick also made a donation. Thank you. We got a very nice long letter from Stephen Ambrose, who um, sent us a donation and said, this is a small way of saying thank you for a job exceptionally well done. What do you think he's referring to? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I had no idea. I'm ecstatic to have found your podcast and enjoy it immensely. The comedy skits in the beginning, the box art review, what's in the box, email, the banter, guests, rules, reviews, tactics, quizzes. Boy, he does make it sound good. Boy, those guys do a lot of junk. (laughs) I could go on and on, and I've only listened to the first 26 episodes. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, But he did. He said, I, I went out of sequence, and I listened to the John Hill episode. He goes on and talks about his gaming history, so he's... He's been a gamer for for quite a long time, but just recently found us. He says, I'm a huge consumer of podcasts. One day this past winter, looking for further interesting entertainment, I started searching for wargaming podcasts. Voila, I found the two half squads. I wonder where he was when he was searching for us. Yeah. I'd like to know where where we came up. Oh, I think not like locally here. (laughs) Since listening to Jeff and Dave, I've purchased the ASL rulebook, Beyond Valor, ASL Starter Pack 3, and Expansion for Starter Pack 1. The stuff is expensive and hard to find. I have to admit I'm finding it challenging getting my 61-year-old gray matter to comprehend and retain all the rules. Tell me about it. A little harder the older you are, true. Tell me about it. But can be done. I'm not 61 yet, but my gray matter has the same problem. I'm envious of the ASL scene you seem to have in and around Chicago. Maybe I'll get to come out and visit someday. If either of you are ever in New York City bound, shoot me an email. Would be cool to meet you. Keep up the good work. Here's to another 90 great podcast. By the way, Jeff, I hope you get your single man counter. Yes. I do too. We've been, it's going, been going for several weeks. I'll bet MMP is ready to for a, flooded. put a yeah. cease and desist order on me for. I'll bet not one person has even called. Yeah, that's that's disturbing. Uh, you deserve it, he says. And my wife is Polish. I, I'm not sure why he put that in there, but well, it's nice to know. By the way, by the way, Dave, love your jokes. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Warmest regards, Steve. Oh well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I always think of Jeff as the funny guy, and I'm the straight man. But Dan Dolan emailed, and he said, "Hey guys." As I enjoy the box art discussions, did you ever consider doing map art? There are some beautiful map boards. Yeah. And perhaps like a Bob Ross look at ASL maps. Remember Bob Ross? Oh, he what are you kidding me? painter on PBS, was he? Oh, yes. How to paint. Oh, right. How to paint. We have a happy little gully here. Yeah. And a friendly little bridge across the gully. Was that the guy? Bob was he Ross? English? I thought I, mean, I remember him being Swedish or something. Oh. Or was he just regular? Was he had the big afro and all that? He kept saying, happy little, happy yellow paint. We'll put it in here. Hmm. Right? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Anyway, he says, thanks for robbing me of 100 plus hours of my future yeah. as I catch up on the past 90 podcasts. And here's to the, taking away another 100 plus hours yeah. of your future, Dan. <laughs> Hoping we get to episode 200. It could happen. 
And finally, we have a note, a tournament announcement from Mark Bloom. Dear Jeff and Dave, could you please send out a Twitter message about our upcoming upcoming mini ASL tournament in Switzerland, Alpenfestung Six V one? Yeah. Six. Okay. I knew that. <laughs> Why didn't he just put six? Because it's Roman numerals. No. You don't just put well, six. I'm not Roman. Ay, 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 ay. I know your listeners are mostly from the USA, but if someone's planning a trip to Europe or some European listeners read the news, let's give it a try. Thanks and greetings from Switzerland. Excellent. Always nice to get a, a hello from day, Switzerland. Jeff. We're yeah. going to do that tour yeah. of Normandy and go right to yep. Switzerland. Yep. Do that. I've been to tournament. Switzerland, and it is lovely. Yeah, there's very few people there, but four, six players maybe, but it's a uh, you know, great thing to do. They have a lot and of they all, ASL fun. they all play in the neutral side. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to play the Germans or the French? Can I play neutral? Hey. So we'll put a link to that. And, right. you know, actually, I don't think they have a date for it yet. I'm just looking at the right. website. It just says it's coming up no. in 2013. He asks people to, to, if you're coming over to Europe, yeah. start sending in when you're going to be able to go. And he'll work the dates around the players. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And this is from Dustin for you, Jeff. Oh, for me. Hi, this message is for Jeff. Oh, yes. uh, I was listening to one of your recent, uh, I think the most recent one, to thank God for 10 year episode, where you were drinking the Sam Adams Winter Lager and you did not like it. and I was going to basically give you a beer recommendation to you. It's oh. from Bell's Brewery in Michigan. Um, it is called Smitten Golden Rye Ale. Uh, I actually like it a lot. It's a little different, and it uh, tastes really good. Going to the back, it says, uh, With wonderfully bitter citrus notes, resinous hop flavors, and earthy overtones. Earthy. I like earthy. The tastes like interesting dirt. interesting take on the American Pale Ale doesn't leave a lot of room to wonder if you'll love it. Um, I just bought it for the first time the other day, uh, drank it, and I had to go out and buy another uh, case of it because it was so good. Um, <laughs> Which I hate that one. different, they and I think you'd like it on your show. Uh, let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. That was not a... What's your favorite nationality, Colin? But we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take Thank that. Thank you, Dustin. Yeah, good. Always like to get a good suggestion for a beer. And, Jeff, you may remember meeting Bill Forg at the Open. I definitely do. And he sent. He came over to my house for Passel, which mm-hmm. you didn't make again. <clears throat> when was that? The one you couldn't make. Oh. Thursday. Or Friday. It was on a Friday. Oh, that was the Friday. Yeah, Friday one. Because I was playing. I didn't know that was Passel. Yeah. No, no, Saturday I invited you also. The week before oh. was the Passel. Oh, okay. And he sent me his setup sheet that he printed out from Vassal. Mm-hmm. What do you notice about the leader counters? Let me put, on, have my, your put on my glasses. <laughs> and <gasps> there's a leader here. There's several leaders. A 9-1 leader. Oh, name Hallett. Oh, there's a lot of stuff here named Hallett. Oh, this is excellent. <laughs> Every yeah. leader on his vassal printout of so, his setup. Here's a 9-1 leader named Hallett. Here is a 7-0 leader named Hallett, 7-0. Here is a 4-6-8 squad named Hallett. <laughs> Isn't there a leader below it or something? Well, no. Here's an, LM, here's an LMG named Hallett. <laughs> I like the way this so, guy thinks. So, you remember he did the uh, list of reasons for 
playing like online versus live or something. Yeah. And he brought this. What is that? It looks like a urine sample. <laughs> it does what look like that? a urine sample. What is that? Forgnicus. A Krup Krupnicus interpretation by Bill Forg, fall of two thousand twelve. You can drink it. What is it? It's a I forgot if he said Finnish or Norwegian um urine sample. Bev- Beverage. It's made of honey, spiced tea, and pure grain alcohol, and other things. Are you ready to try it? <laughs> Can you try it on your diet, Yaron? Um, honey? No, I'd have to say no. What? You can taste it. You don't have to even drink a bunch. Like this is, is this the kind of thing that has like botulism in it or something? No, no, it's good. I, I drink. Oh, you had He some? gave us two. Oh. I don't know where the rest of the other one went, but I opened the Night of Passel. I don't know where it went. Yeah, where, it just kind of over two weeks. It just kind of kept getting less and less and less. And I'm perfectly it looks, fine. <laughs> it looks thicker. It looks, it looks like honey, uh-huh. kind of a liquidy honey. A liquid, very. It's golden. Yes. Just a taste. It'll it'll drip down the edge a bit. Be careful. Don't pour over your keyboard. No, I'll pour it over my lap. If you have, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. No, no, don't go ahead. It's dripping there. Uh, okay, I got it. I'll lick the jar. <laughs> what do you mean it's a lot? Like it, it's strong? Well, I thought you were just going to taste it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a little more and than Dave, a taste, Jeff. Dave is licking the jar. Tell you what, why don't you keep that jar? <laughs> no. All right, here we go. It smells like, let me tell you what it smells like. Honey and tobacco. <laughs> no. Do you have another glass? It, uh, yeah, let me get you a glass. Wow, it, I tell Did you, you taste it, it smells a little like honey and rubbing alcohol. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Now, how did how did he come upon this? I don't know. It's uh, like a Finnish thing or or something. Well, we're honored. Taste and frightened. Taste. Okay, I'm going to taste it. You drank the whole other bottle. Well, a couple of us tasted it that <laughs> night. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking there. You know, over two there weeks. couldn't possibly be any botulism in this. Nothing could live in this. <laughs> That's what he said. That's because I asked you. Do I need to refrigerate it? <laughs> Put a wick in it and uh, make a Molotov. Cheers. Oh, hey. You know, that's not bad. It's like a holiday drink. It's a. It's exactly like a holiday drink. Very spicy holiday drink, right? Yeah. It is Christmassy. It is very holiday-ish. Oh. It's taking me there. Mm. Ah, I can smell the, the snow falling. I can hear the bells ringing. The crisp air. Ah. People everywhere. Dressed up and uh, head to toe and their wools. Scarves and hats and gloves bustling through the streets. Come and sit on my lap, Dave. <laughs> Who's that jolly fat yeah. man with the white beard? Get out of our house! Wow, that's oh, that's really that something. Great experience. That's quite, quite extraordinary. <laughs> Do that again sometime yeah. soon. <laughs> well, thank you, oh, Bill. What do you thank you, Bill? <laughs> what a unique experience. Yes. And very um, has a lot to do with squad leader. And now we have this.
Hi guys, this is Alan from Edinburgh. I just had a thought. Um, is there any supplements for ASL that deal with the Korean War? I'm sure I saw a third-party supplement somewhere once that was dealing with Korea, but I don't think there's anything official. It would probably be quite easy to make a Korean War supplement, being that much of the hardware was pretty much identical to that used in World War II. I was wondering about that. I'm sure I saw something, though. Do you guys know anything about this at all? Cheers, guys. All right. And that is from Alan Hume. Calling from Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Scotland. I was there. I was in Edinburgh. And you know what? As a matter of fact... I think they erected a statue for you. To my my recollection, I know there was a scenario or two published. Can't remember by who. So listeners, chime in. Put some notes on the podcast. On the comment section. Or call or send an email. And... We are planning to interview the gentleman who's doing the Korean module, Ken Katz. wonder how long he's been working on that. We've been hearing about it for quite some time, I think. I mean, I know these things yeah, don't happen. Yeah, we've been talking about probably this got a real life too, for a while, but, yeah. yes. Well, that'll be interesting. But thanks, Alan, for calling and asking that question. We'll see if we can find out anything more up-to-date. Yeah, it'll be, um, supposedly they got the go light, so cool. we'll see. Yeah. All right. Thank you, and everybody, for letters. It keep for them, letters. Keep them coming. We shall seize the bridges, it's all a question of bridges, with thunderclap surprise. I love the smell of my pub in the morning. It smells like... I know what that means. That must mean it's time for movie review. That's right, Jeff. And what film did I just return to you? You just returned to me, Saving Private Ryan. All right. Well, Saving Private Ryan may be too popular to review, but opening scenes still very painful to watch. Yeah, I would agree. Yes. I gasped a lot. And I have seen the thing. That was my third viewing with my son, Adam. First viewing with my son, Adam. And he is how old now? He is now a freshman. And I felt a lot of empathy. Freshman in college? Freshman in high school. Ah. And so... I, yeah, it's I, a very, that's, very tough scene. That says a heck of a lot if I actually literally gasped yeah. at the action. Yeah. At home. Yeah. Not in the big theater. That's how powerful it still is. Yeah. After that landing scene, I was thinking, wow, Spielberg's going to pass up the opportunity to do the obligatory panoramic scene of the dead guys? And mm-hmm. all war films do, you know, that giant panoramic yeah. scene of all the dead. Um, I thought, hey, he's going to pass that up. How original. But then Hank says, yes, it is quite a view as they're looking out over the landscape. And the melodramatic music comes up. And the scene of the beach with all the dead people starts to appear, expanding and expanding. Oh. The and then, oh, you know, Spielberg's still kind of a bit predictable. In that regard, how do you not, great how do you not show that? Though? You don't need it. You need to after see the enormity. That, 
Well, no. After that, you don't need to see anything enormous. What the end? The movie there? No. Oh, okay. But it, it's just melodramatic music. I see. And until then, there was yeah. no music, I believe. Oh yeah, right. Right. And into the realism, and it's quite a view. Melodramatic music. Camera pulls back. And I, but it's, I no. I you just, had a problem. I've with seen it. it too many times. Yeah. Gone with the Wind, the most famous, right? The, the, the scene in Atlanta or yeah. Uh, wherever yeah. it was, the I've train station. I've seen it too many times. I, yeah. And Spielberg is a bit predictable like that for me. Um, a little heavy-handed. You go back to E.T., you know, the, 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 the scientists show up in the white outfits bursting yeah. through the doors like Frankenstein's monsters. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, you're kind of like, okay, scary butts, wouldn't they knock and say, hi, we're yeah. scientists? I would think, and... <laughs> Don't talk to me about E.T. because that was one of my least favorite Spielberg oh. movies of all oh, time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, he did reissue it, and actually I think he changed a lot of the problems that he I did, had with yeah. it. He did, yeah. He did. Which means I'm smarter than him in yeah. filmmaking. And they know. digitally, I guess, <laughs> took out guns and put in flashlights. Oh, to make it? In certain areas oh. where the the, the evil scientists were carrying guns yeah, and like, they why switched would, it to okay. flashlights I didn't or even something catch like that. that. Yeah, a few things like that. But anyway. Yes. Well... I thought it would be more powerful without that music. However, it transitions mm. nicely to the close-up then on the dead Ryan's name on the backpack. I don't know if you remember, of course, but it, yeah, it, it, then it yes. zooms back in and there's Ryan on one of the dead guys. And it goes into the women typing the letters to the dead uh, parents. Right. A bunch of them all mm-hmm. typing, 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 these typists. And then to Ryan's mom at the window. Yes. Which was real nicely done. And I still cried when her knees buckled under her. I'm going to cry yeah. now. Yeah. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm okay. When her knees buckled under her as the men arrived in the driveway in the car. Yeah. I mean, because you know. And if you don't know this like my son, he doesn't know what that means. Right. Oh, a car's coming. What does that mean? But, you know, she's literally buckling knowing this is the bad news. Yeah. So powerful. Now, I remember hearing... And when I saw the, the movie in the theater with my dad, uh, hearing the cows and surround sound mm. at the, coming from behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I just couldn't help but mention that uh, as they're crossing the farms of Normandy. And the, the next battle scene is the village of Verville, Ver, yeah. I think. And it was very good. And that's where Van Diesel, Vin Diesel mm-hmm. uh, dies. And a quiet scene at night. As the men talk, I found it very, very powerful. You know, there's, again, an obligatory scene where the soldiers are on rest and relaxation, but they're they're cheering and they're talking about their lives a little bit. And yeah. It still really, really worked well. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys in that scene describes pretending to sleep and not talking when his mother came home because he, like, loved his mother, but, like, then he didn't want her to know he was awake so she wouldn't talk to him or something. I don't know. And he has a guilt complex. I, I didn't quite get that. Yeah, I don't actually so, remember that. Yeah, if you saw that, it again, yeah. um, if any listeners get it, you know, shoot me an email explaining the meaning of that. Um, then the film goes to the scene where they meet the gliders that it all cr- landed. Yes. Crash landed right. some, right, with some dead. And they're going through the dog tags because they're searching for Ryan. They're upset at their mission. Right. Uh, And they're very disrespectful. Yes. And the soldiers are marching by from that unit. Yes. And they're looking like, why are they disrespecting our men? And the medic calls them on it. Yeah. You know, that was, I thought was really, really well done also. 
Um, there's more music after that scene, a mournful trumpet, and I don't like it. It kind of keeps reminding me I'm watching a movie. Mm, and I, interesting. That's the way it struck me you know, this time. Yeah. Um, the radar station scene, they go to that radar station and he orders them to take it. Uh, German guy is captured. Right. They make him dig a grave for the guy that was killed. I thought that was a really great scene, too. And then jumping to the final battle at the bridge, um, uses the stunned underwater effect shock that was used at the D-Day landing. Yes. Oh, oh, I remember now. Yeah. When when um, the main guy... Tom Hanks. Yeah. You know, goes into, like, shock, and he's like... Yeah. And starts going, like, weird. I, I found that to be really effective. Yeah, I did, too. Though I wasn't sure I liked it in both the beginning and the end of the movie, but I could see why oh, they did it. Okay, I thought I liked it as I, bookending yeah. uh, the story or two very traumatic portions of the story for right. him. It, to me, it just felt like I've been. They, I've already seen this once. Oh, Don't do this again. Okay. And I actually, if I can interject, I also felt oh, yeah. that way about the reading of uh, and the narrator reading the quote from Abraham Lincoln who wrote the letter about the death of a soldier to the woman. Yes, I think very powerful. Very the last powerful, but great read, measure of devotion. Right. When you lay your well, yeah. your body, Sacrifice the body of your son, on the altar of freedom, and oh, etc. Yeah. You know, really oh, yeah. a magnificent piece of writing. Um, but is it in the movie three times? Oh, I don't think or so. Or just twice? I think just twice. Okay. It seemed the second time. It seemed like. More I've already that. heard this. I don't need to. Hear, yeah, I don't only, want to hear this again. It should only, it should only be, be once, once. I would think. Yeah, yeah there's something about it. About yeah, when it's that. when it's done at the first time, great, great illusion yes, to yes. history and wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Really yeah. well done. Acting, uh, the glider pilot was outstanding. The German prisoner, I really liked. Yes, he's having to dig that grave, and he's all panicking. And, yeah, you know, trying to be likable, and <laughs> yes, you know, um, Hanks. Yeah, don't you think Tom Hanks, or did you not? Uh, I thought he did a very good job. At first, I was like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Do they really want to do this? Yeah, I thought he was very good. Okay, I, I thought there he was. There were a couple of scenes in there that I didn't feel really fit, and uh, I noticed this. I, I notice it more with older movies. It's like, and, and I'm thinking of Lawrence of Arabia right now. Okay. It's like the director knows the story, and but they'll film a scene five different ways, maybe more. And I think David Lean was notorious for this. They'd film it a bunch of different ways with the actors acting it in different ways. Because there's so many different ways to act a scene, obviously. Yeah. And then in the editing room, they put it all together. Sometimes it doesn't all quite fit for me. You get a director these days like James Cameron who knows exactly how every scene is to go. How he wants it to be and how he wants it. And it's so continuous that I never get that feeling. I got that feeling a couple of times in Saving Private Ryan and I was kind of surprised okay. that I felt that way. And one of them was yeah, when Tom remember? Hanks says that they found the wrong Ryan. They thought they had got onto the right Ryan and it, and they told him. Yeah, and he's all crying. They told the guy and he's all crying. And My like, brother's dead. How, and then, was it a bike, bicycle accident yeah. at home? He's in 8th grade no. or something. Yeah, he's in 8th grade. And I thought the way Tom Hanks played that was wrong, and I thought, I bet they filmed this five different ways, and I feel like they picked the wrong thing. You know, I think he was a little, treated the man with some disrespect. He did, yeah. And you're right. And, 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 and right. I felt like, 
I don't think he would do no, that. No, he wouldn't. His character would, would not, not have done that. Yeah. One of the other guys would have done that. In the yes, unit, but not Hank's character. Right. I fully agree with that. Yeah, Jeff, brilliant. Um, and then I just made. I never really finished this <laughs> review, but P fifty ones, Tigers, German twenty millimeter guns. Yeah. You want battle scenes? You got a zillion of them. Yes. You want historical accuracy? It's all over the place, as far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, great. Is that's, there is there a, one it. scene that's the most memorable for you for this film? I kind of like that last battle scene coming into this town with the when the Germans had the tiger and the vehicle with the machine yeah, gun, with big that, mounted. Yeah, I don't know the twenty millimeter, the flak, or and that whole thing, and again the opening. Yeah, just mind boggling. Yeah, for me the opening and the encounter between the German soldier and the sniper. Uh, not the sniper. Yeah, it was the sniper. The German, the, city. the, the German soldier, and the American soldier in the tower, or when oh, one of the towers, hand to hand. He stabbed him slowly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Although you watch it again, you can kind of tell it's a fake chest. Yes, which is inexcusable, right? Because that was way too recent to have the chest be visibly fake. Yeah, I mean, got it. Man, come on. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> but that scene, it still worked. Yeah. It's it still worked horrible. for me because the emotion kept me uh, hooked. Yeah, like the guy saying, you know, you know, first they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, yeah. and then, then he's, he's losing, like, he's going like, wait, 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 yeah. don't, don't. Yeah, and he's like, shh. Yeah. The German's quieting I mean, him the, down. I mean, it was just. Yeah, it's very, very interestingly done. Yeah. Um, and then, ironically, you're going to hate to hear this. My son Adam, at the end of the film, says, yeah, it was a real great film, but I think I like Longest Day better. Wow. Go figure. How about that? Now, is that because he was younger by a few years when he maybe saw that? or I think that could have know, a lot to do with it. I asked it a yeah. little more. And I, I, he just felt they were about equal, and he kind of liked that one better. Yeah. Interesting. But I know you're not a huge fan of Longest Day. But. No, but I think it's time for me to watch it again and just see if I yeah. if I change my mind. So, so anyway, that's the movie review. Oh, Thank you, Dave. It's time for rules. More specifically, Japanese, we're going to continue our Japanese theme and talk about the rest of the Japanese rules until we're gosh darn done with them. Yeah. Which could take quite a while. Could take quite a while. But actually, I think we're going to get pretty far tonight and next episode finishing the first eight pages describing the Japanese infantry special rules for the Japanese and so on, Mm -hmm. leaving only the Pacific terrain to get into next because we don't have to cover the landing craft and all that yet that originally came out with gung-ho. Right. And so, rule 1.42, for those of you referencing this at home, regular heroes as opposed to the tank-hunting kind. Ah, regular Created. I, thought it, I thought it was talking about regularity, but... <laughs> well, yes, those that are... Re- well, no, no one was regular probably in the Pacific Theater. Yeah. How are they created, a hero, Jeff? The regular uh, way. Yeah, the regular way. Heat of battle. Yes, the tank hunter hero would be created from a squad or half squad if good ordered and armed in Now, you said we were talking different not ways. about the tank hunter hero. Yes. So. Oh, okay. So regular heroes get... Created the regular way. Correct. Okay. But the tank hunter heroes, sorry, are created from squad or half squad if they're good order and armed in, it looks like, four ways. 
Okay. Yes, that's right. Because nothing can be easy. No. There's four different ways. There's two ways if you're the attacker and two ways if you're the defender. Have you been reading up on the Japanese rules? Well, actually, Rich and I played a Japanese scenario the other day. Oh, great. And so I did read up on Tank Hunter Heroes, and I I employed both methods. Excellent, indeed. Of the four, both. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wanted to simplify. As I say them, tell me if you remember doing it that way. Okay. In the movement phase, if you're within eight movement factors... Of an armor-fighting vehicle in your line of sight. You can create a tank hunter hero. Yep. And he can charge right out from the squad by himself. Now, is this... Attack the tank. Is it a tank hunter slash hero? Or is it a tank slash hunter hero? Or is it a... What are you, the grammar Nazi? uh, Well, I get confused. It's tank dash hero. Tank? It's a tank hunter dash hero. Hero. Okay. You probably should say tank hunting hero. Okay. All right. So that's the way you're moving toward him. Then, boom, out comes the guy and he runs out. Right. To go attack. Or method two. Advanced phase. Yes. But only if. Only if the AFE is adjacent. Holy cow. I went to all this work taking these notes, and you could do this from memory. No. I don't like to show off, Dave. <laughs> yeah. A vehicle has to be adjacent. Yeah. But that's probably the best way, right? Because you'll be right on the thing. Yes. Then you don't have to. I mean, because if he's eight hexes away <laughs> you're and you're getting... running at him, he's shooting away at you. And, and all his friends else are shooting, shooting at, at you. Yeah. His grandmother's shooting at you. I assume. Huh? Yeah. 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 To assume anything, Jeff. I, yeah. Everybody be shooting at you. So yeah, there's well, two advanced. ways. He's got to be adjacent or in your hex, right? Oh, right, if you're hip. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little later. Method three. Close combat reaction fire during the enemy movement phase. Now, that's my most likely to forget. Yeah. I can I can remember I'm moving and a guy shoots out and runs at a tank. Right. I can remember advance right on him and, you know, send out a hero to jump right in there. Yeah. Close combat reaction fire during the enemy movement phase, so the tank is coming at my squad. Yeah. Enters your hex. I roll to have him. You get him. And he can attack his defensive first fire. Right, right, and he's automatically got AT, the the anti-tank magnetic line. Or did he have to roll for that? Automatic? Uh, I believe it's automatic. It's coming up later, but you're probably right. And then, method four. Close combat phase... If the defender, so your squad advances into close combat. Oh, no, close combat phase. If the defender, the tank comes into your hex to close combat you, Mm -hmm. and you, I guess, could do a reaction fire, and then, during the actual close combat, roll. But you can't, if you've prepped, fired, first fired, final fired, are pinned or TI. Right, so, so if, that hack, if that squad or half squad has really done anything first fired at during the tank. that phase, you cannot create a tank or oh, a hero. So, boy, you, you better remember been... that one, folks. Yeah. Because probably your best odds is not to go for a normal CC reaction fire attack with the squad. Com- uh, tank kill value of, like, what, five, four or something? Right. And um, it's probably better to roll and see if you have this guy. Yeah. I, I don't know percentage-wise, but... And there is one other way to create them. No. Yes, Method five? Method, method five. 
And that is... All that, both of them? All, all both of them. And that is, at the beginning of the scenario, you can elect to create Tank Hunter Heroes before you begin. And it's a different percentage oh, yes, for different can. years. So yep. I, know, I know for a fact, 1945, 50% of your squads can create Tank Hunter Heroes. So if you have seven squads, you could create... And it's fractions rounded up. If you have seven full squads, you can create Correct. four tank hunter heroes. And the percentage in... As many as four. Percentage in, in 44? 40%. A third? Oh, 30%? 33 and a third. Okay. 33. And 20% in 43. Okay. So that's the HIP method. Um, and I, I used both methods. So I created two ahead of time. Oh, that's time the two you were thinking of. And set yeah. them up HIP. And then the other ones I created during the game. Did now, the, the nice thing about when you, when you set them up uh, before, they're just equipped with uh, anti-tank magnetic mines. Okay. If, the, if you set them up with uh, during a movement phase, during an enemy move, movement phase, for instance, if, they are, if one of the squads they're with has a, a um, demolition DC, charge. They, they become a DC hero. They can be, have a DC. With right. Them. Um, so in the close, if you're going back now to create yeah. the original one from the four methods mentioned, not the hidden dudes mm -hmm. or the DC heroes, you have a close combat phase after ambush. I'm sorry. You roll one die less than or equal to three. Yes. Your modifiers, half squad plus one conscripts plus, plus two and, uh, give them the DC to make them a DC hero minus to? to that role if you're creating them. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. So really good chance. If you got the DC guy, great chance of getting a DC hero. Yeah. Like five or less on one die. Yeah. Uh, if you roll the six, of course you are pinned. pinned unless Bonsai charging. Right. And it's a concealment loss activity to do this. Big deal. And try it But anyway. it's not an expenditure of movement. So you don't Correct. get any fire against you just for trying. And in the close combat phase... If it's a close combat phase after ambush, you could create two in each player turn. One in the movement phase and one in the advance phase if the attacker. Right. And one in the movement phase and one in the close com defensive fire phase. And one in the close combat phase if the defender. Yeah. So if you can remember it that way, a squad gets two chances. How many do you get? Jeff just covered it. Um, and actually, before 43, you can get 10% prior to 43 of your squads get... One per ten percent, yeah. and twenty percent versus Russians. So apparently, historically, they may have had a few more of them fighting the Russians. Yeah, and I think this indicates, you know, in forty-five, where where you get fifty percent. I think things were getting a little more desperate for the Japanese army, and uh, probably more and more they were Guys employing were these kind of tactics, willing to go out and do that. Yeah, they were urging their men to sacrifice themselves for these for the. The glory of the rising sun. And, of course, the hip method. Hidden initial placement. Tank under heroes can be placed hip. Yes. If Japanese set up on board, as you said, can lose that hip voluntarily in normal ways. Right. Rule 1.43. Use. If you have no negative modifier. Oh, he has no negative modifier. 
Tank Hunter Hero. Mm-hmm. He can only have an ATMM or a DC, mm-hmm. so he can't be a passenger, pick up weapons. Right. There's a little list of stuff that you probably would think they couldn't do anyway. Yeah. Then lose initial placement equals one, you have to, when you lose hip, you have to bonsai charge an AFE. Right. Or two, make a reaction fire attack. If yes. it's the enemy movement phase, he's rolling over you. Or three, advance into the AFE location if the advance phase must advance. So you can't reveal him and not advance on the vehicle. Right. And Kind of like a berserk guy. Is when, like when, berserk guy. when he gets revealed, he's got to move to spring toward, into action. And he's got to move toward uh, the nearest AFV, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, I didn't write nearest, but it probably is true. Yeah. And... And if there's two AFVs, he's got to cut himself in half and clone <laughs> which, which. <laughs> with a sword. Oh, and four, he needs to remain in the AFV location in the close combat phase. He can't run out of it, of course. Right. Okay. And so he must attack the AFV in close combat phase if in the same location, as we said. If the creating unit is assault moving, that doesn't apply to a tank hunter hero. If the creating unit moves one movement factor... Then you deduct two from the hero, Tank Hunter hero, who starts out of that multi-man counter. So you don't get to move the multi-man counter four, and then move the Tank Hunter hero, what does he get, eight? Yeah, eight yeah. movement factors. Right. So it's simply prorating it every point. The unit moves, the multi-man counter moves, you take two off the hero. Right. Very simple mathematics. Really, yes. And if... The multi-man counter moves two movement factors. You deduct four from the tank hunter hero, etc. Right. Simple math. If the creating unit is bonsai charging, then you deduct one movement factor for one movement factor. Oh, okay. Because when you're bonsai charging, you get eight eight movement movement factors. factors. Yeah. And so does the hero. So you can't do it that way either. And the multi-man counter is considered non-moving... But would be hit by... Oh, that's what you said. Um, doesn't take a movement point to try. To, try. to create so a he, tank hunter. He's considered non-moving. Right. But would be hit by spraying fire, fire lanes that hit a tank hunter hero, and they count as non-assault, first fire movement, open ground, etc. Yeah. Still, even though they're not move, expanding the point. A tank hunter hero does not increase morale by one. And he moves individually. During the charge, he may enter enemy hex only if it is, it is his designated tank target hex or right. is adjacent to that target. Did you guys know that? Yeah, I think so. He, he may enter the enemy hex. So I'm wondering now what would happen. So what would happen? I always come up with this kind of stuff. So if there's infantry around the tank, he can enter the infantry hex. Oh, he can. It's adjacent to the vehicle. Oh, if it's adjacent to the vehicle. Okay, That's so what, what happens? Saying. Let's say oh. he sees a vehicle <laughs> yeah. and there's an enemy squad three hexes away from the vehicle, but directly in, in the line path. that he runs. I wonder. He, he has to go around it. You think he goes around them? He goes around it. It must be he. He may enter it. an enemy hex only if it's his designated target or is adjacent to that target. Okay, then he goes around. He's it. just going to run by a squad and go kill that tank. Yeah, doesn't One, run through it. No. Got to go around. It. Yes, because it would be an overrun, right? Yeah, infantry overrun. Um, well, maybe I have that coming up later, but I, 
Um, once in the hex, he then uses close combat immediately. Yeah. And if he survives, he's marked with close combat. How could he survive? Well, if there was no no outcome, right? No clear outcome. He's, he he's neither killed nor... Yeah. Well, once he attacks, he's removed. Well, we'll keep going. And then you have the anti-tank magnetic mine that you were mentioning. There is one firepower for close combat versus personnel. Yes. So if he jumps into that hex adjacent to the tank with the infantry, he has one firepower for CC. And the five CCV, close combat value of five against tanks. So yeah. roll five or less. Five's like the normal result, and then half, less than half, burning rack, etc. And he may roll for the ATMM less than or equal to three. Then he has one. So it's a 50% chance to create a hero, a 50% chance that he has an ATMM. An ATMM. Okay. And it does not pin him if he rolls a six on that roll. Plus one if pre-44. So less likely to have the ATMM ah. pre-44. Okay. And if he attacks with a multi-man counter, so the multi-man counter advances in the combat with the tank with the hero. Right. right? Okay. He adds one firepower to the close combat value, but the ATMM can still apply, which then would be like a ah. two or something for if he has that. Okay. So there's a chance of bumping that normal CCV value by three, it seems like, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Yeah. Chance. Yeah. They're very effective. Uh, you know, I liked the uh, I liked reading the rules. I felt like the rules were very clear in this section. Were very clearly written, concise, compact. And clear. When I read the Ponji rules, because I also because we were also doing Ponji, which is two pages plus a few paragraphs, I just thought, was that what in the world? Ponji's was that long, or yes. was that the um, Ponji's is two pages plus a couple not of paragraphs? The rice, no, that's the rice patties. Check out Ponji's. Well, we didn't have rice patties in our scenario, but we did have Ponji's, and that you know, was it. Just seemed unusual, you know, needlessly uh, complicated writing. Because they're really not all that complicated. The Ponzi's. Yeah. Not the, the Ponzi's. Tarant- not the Ponzi's. Not the Pansies. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Jeff is not. I swore yeah. you were wrong, Jeff. Rule nine. Ponzi's. Starts on page. G11. Bottom, bottom. Just a paragraph. Yeah, just a paragraph. But Ends on page. All the way G12. Yep. G13. Yep. And a quarter of a page on g14 yeah crazy yeah. yeah but if you look at it you don't need the dozer rule unless you have dozers well yeah bombardment unless you have bombardment yeah clearance yeah you need that removal you need that exit you need that fortifications probably happens a lot it does concealment yeah aerial you may not need that searching you need that yeah passing yeah huh Nevertheless, it seemed like too much. I think I'll, I'll rewrite it and get it down. I want to. I want to fit it on a grain of rice. That's really what I'm after. Well, let's jump ahead. How were the pond? Did the pongees work or anything? Well, Rich never actually ran into them, so yeah. we never got to use them. Yeah, that's the frustration of the whole thing yeah. when you actually read two plus pages and and I, I really didn't set them in very good locations actually. Well, once you played it. Yeah, once I played it, I realized that. I could see the flaws in my setup. But 
Nevertheless, we had a very good time with that scenario. You know, yeah. And I haven't read the footnotes for this section. I did it for Red Barricades. I might tack that onto a show if you don't oh, mind. Yeah. No, just, not at all. I love just reading the footnotes to, yeah. by myself to the listeners. It's very interesting. And I want to report on, and I, I don't have one ready yet, but I read uh, the ASL Annual 92, which is when Kota Bushido came out. And there is a, how long is it? Maybe 10 pages? Uh-huh. And uh, about the Japanese, why they structured them the way they did for ASL, comparing it to the actual Japanese Imperial Army and the Japanese Imperial Navy, how they acted, how they were structured and everything. And it's it's a fascinating article to tell you why they put all these wheels into ASL for this. So if, you ever, if anybody's got that, and I'll do a little yeah. review on it. Oh, well, I have time. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and if anybody would like that, yeah. I can. Yeah, I wonder if that stuff's under notes. copyright still. Oh, I don't know. I'd be careful. ASL 90, but, Journal 90, yeah. not Journal 92, ASL Annual 92. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Probably, probably <clears throat> all bought up by them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely take some notes and, and get that to us. Yeah. Well, continuing, we have the um, DC hero, right? And the DC hero can be created like a tank hunter hero, but needs the line of sight and eight movement factors to any enemy unit or gun. Ah, difference. He can attack MMC, right? Right. Single man counters, right? Right. Guns, right? Guns, right. Any enemy unit slash gun or enemy controlled hex with a fortification counter in it. Nice. So if he can't get to the unit in the fortification, he can attack the fortification. Yeah. And there's a neg two to the creation attempt, as we said earlier, because you're handing the guy a DC, saying, "Go, baby, go." Yeah. I'd be more willing to go too if you handed me a big old DC. Yeah. I'll remember that when that comes up. <laughs> and you give a guy a DCs like a tank hunter hero mostly. He can't place or throw the DC. So this is not like a normal demolition charge, no. dude. There's no close combat attacking. Whatever I meant by that. <laughs> oh, because he detonates the DC during or at the end of his movement phase. Ah, yes. When in the hex with the target. So he charges in. His morales, what were the morales on those, like nine, Jeff, or ten? Uh, or I think nine. High. And so he makes his, uh, you know, two morale check. Oh, I rolled a seven. Nine, can't pin him, right? He's heroic. So, and he comes, hit him again with something. Oh, one check. Oh, made that easy, right? Rolled mm-hmm. four. And boom. He's in the hex. <laughs> Detonate the DC. And he doesn't survive that, I don't think, does he? Yes. Yes. He does. He then okay. can run out and attack other people ah, with okay. his knife. And then after he completes that, he comes back as a ghost, and he can attack more people. They're just fanatical. There's just no stopping him. Yeah, he does not survive the DC attack. He is re- he is removed, and he is resolved as a placed DC. You, do you remember what that is? I don't remember. It's better. Yes, it is better. It's a higher right. power column. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I want to play it now. Yeah. Let's stop this podcast and play a game. Yeah, we so, should. Oh, let me wrap up here then. Fortified building. Since he can't enter it with an enemy squad in it, he can detonate the DC to breach the fortification, like a normal fortification breaching mm-hmm. with a DC. And if it the fortified building state is unknown when he attempts to enter it, right, oh, I'm going to enter this fortified building with a squad in it. Oh, you can't enter a fortified building with a squad in it, right? 
Right. Then the movement factors used still qualify him to, okay, well, fine, I'm just going to detonate it now then. He gets to do that. And he's very, very happy when he gets to do that. Yes, he is. <laughs> and he skips off merrily. No, he's still removed. Loss. One. How many conditions are there? Five. There are five. Man, you read those rules. Yeah, I read them. Remove him when the DC close combat attack is done. If no attack, then... Guess what you have to do? You have to still remove him at the end of the turn in which he was created. Two. Three. Remove him when he's not in melee. If he was in melee. Malaysia? Malaysia. And four. If his target is eliminated, he is eliminated. So what I like to do in my games, when I see the DC hero attacking my big tank, and I have another tank behind that tank, right? I just shoot at my own tank, blow it up, and say, ha, your DC hero can't, is now eliminated from the board. It's amazing. It's a great tactic. I highly recommend this wow. tactic. Never would have thought of that. Oh, no, because the guy's got his DC hero. He's charging, and they're always so mad. They're like, what? Yeah. You did what? Yeah, I shot. I blew up my own tank. Now you can't blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. It works great. Yeah. They get so ticked off. Kinda I like wanted to kill the tank. Kind of like scorched earth. Yep. Only you're scorching your tanks. And the DC is lost if the DC hero is lost. That's a drag. You don't get to recover the DC. Yeah, that's anytime, too bad. Anywhere. Yeah. Ooh. And five, hip. Hit initial placement one is discovered. It's lost. Now, why can't he just blow that up with whoever comes in his hex? Yeah, good question. Unless he is reaction fire attacking or a close combat phase attacking Hmm. a moving unit. Okay, so maybe, so there he can kind of use it and does not have to go back to previous hex. He can stay in the hero's hex or continue to move. I don't know quite what I meant by that. It's rule 1.5, though, folks. Read it for yourself because Jeff and I are going to tack on a little passel. Yeah. Little um, interview from your with last... six guys from the game. Talked oh, about the scenarios they played, if they liked them or not. Wonderful. How they went. And um, if they thought they were balanced. A little ASL talk for you. And then we're going to sign out and play a Japanese game. Sounds good. Talk to you after the passel. All right, here we are on a passel night. Palatine Air Advanced Squad Leaders. We haven't done a report from here for a while. And we got some games in and kind of early. Well, it's quarter to ten, I guess, already. Yeah. On a Friday night... And we have um, Bill Ford. Welcome. Thank you. And we have the return of Tim Klopach. Good to see you, Dave. And what, what game did you guys play? Uh, we played the starter kit game, uh, S46, Where the Winter Lingers. So it's uh, Germans against the Russians. Deep snow. I think the only deep snow in a starter kit. It's kind of neat uh, a scenario because if you read the... Um, Historical background: It was a fight up in Lapland, Finland, but it was Germans, not Finnish not troops. troops. Yep. German, Russian, then yeah, yep. and elite, both elite, which kind of okay, yeah, just just infantry and support weapons. So that helps it be a yeah, quick so play game. Yeah. I'm looking up a lot, a lot of rules. Yep. Yeah. And what side did uh, Tim play? I was the Russians. I was the Germans, so to set up a defense, kind of broad and just kind of spread out. That's my goal, just to uh, hold him up enough. He has to exit off the other end of the board. So just play a delaying fire. And yeah, I thought it was going to be stoke. tough because 
Um, even though the Richter conditions were fairly limited, it essentially needed to get um, three squads and a Yeah, seven points. Board, right? Yeah, two squads, of, so, two points a squad. So. Really, two point per squad. Yeah, so three squads and a leader essentially was going to do it. And since I started with 14 squads, it doesn't sound like it's that hard, but with the snow and... Had to take a, after the fourth turn, you have to take a task check to move. Oh, for fatigue? For fatigue, yeah. So. I couldn't double time. It, it, yeah. It was tough, so, you know, I was just doing my best to try and clean some of the Germans out of an area that, that, that I might have time to run. But, you know, Bill pointed out when we had about two turns left, he was just mentally doing the math, and he was like, I had to move my fat stack with my best leader and bolt as fast as I could with only two turns left, or I didn't have a chance. And make the roll then, right, yeah, to full, move. Yeah, yeah, he made those. Well, he is, he was up by eight, so he, he was making those rolls pretty pretty easily, and he had right. a neg two leader, which applied. So. Yeah. But he had, I had a, a 40 neg one shot. That took him out. Yeah. A what? A 40 neg yeah, one. 40 neg one. <laughs> well, that's what you're doing. Because you had to go off. I got him. Yeah. I don't have a chance. You had to run right by me. So, and then I had a reserve, couple of reserve. Yeah, know, for, two for squads here and a light. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Looks interesting. What game is this one from? The Tanks? Uh, expansion. It's from the Expansion. Okay. Game. I have Started one or two expansion. of them, and then I kind of mm-hmm. stopped grabbing them, I think. Yeah. But um, I like the way they, they did the snow rules then here. Yeah, they simplify them, I mean. And put it in a special rule, scenario rule, and it's yeah, probably like, sim- real similar, actually. Yeah. And no hills. Right. Right. And, of course, smoke's not, a, yeah. not applicable in the buildings or I think snow. the fact that both sides had elite troops gives the game a different flavor because we didn't see much breaking. In fact, we went, like, three turns before we saw the first Russian... Yeah, like, casually, even. Yeah. yeah nothing casually reduced. And, so yeah. they're, they're just resilient and... And taking shots at each other, but not much was going on. And, and Breaking slowly, and recovering. Slowly pushing, gaining ground, because, well, I think you were smart. You were just basically... Yeah, I was giving it up a little bit, too. Yeah, exactly. Just slowing up. Slowing Willing to do the fallback and not get surrounded. Yeah. Yeah, because they're way outnumbered, those Germans, at start. So yep. if they allow themselves to get surrounded, yeah. um, which a lot of beginning players would do, then they can lose all those squads, right? And they're pictured with skis here. No special ski rule. No skis. No? Yeah. Oh, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Got a picture well, of the no ski hills, dudes. So. Yeah, and yeah, and normally. I haven't played one with the skis. So. I love them. You get a big bonus going downhill. Yeah. You know, for each level you go, you gain like two more hexes or something. I mean, that's cool. But it's a lot. And then um, is there something else they helped you with on cross country? I don't remember. I don't remember. Sleds, but sleds maybe. They have those things too, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And so, Bill, you did your setup on uh, on Vassal. Vassal. Yeah. Yep. And brought that with you. Yep. And so, yeah, you guys got right into it and finished in a good time for Friday night or even a weeknight, quarter to ten. So, do you think it was balanced, or would you? Uh, I'm probably not the best person to yeah, so, play I mean, the Russians. I'm. Russians have I'm numbers. I'm much better so. playing defense in the ASL. I'm not. Really? I'm, I'm conservative by nature, and I have a hard time finding the right balance and when to pull the trigger and throw some bodies into the fire. And, yeah. And inevitably, it happens a lot of the time when I'm on the offenses. I run out of time, and I just didn't get it done faster. Often. Maybe if we switch side bills, it would show me something. But um, 
I was just glad to finally get out. I think he started strong, just pushing on one side. He was going up one flank. One flank. And then then you kind of changed mine and went over. I think if you just would have kept pushing. Maybe up to center or something more. But uh, with numbers, you just got to take some hints. Yeah, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll number them and then went over those little reinforcements at the yeah. end, maybe. Especially hard since you can't bypass and stuff. Is there a lot of woods there, too? There's a lot of woods. It's like two layers but, of woods. But open ground between open he has ground to come across. And, in between, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it looks, definitely looks cool, but, of course, I think most all ESL games look cool. That's right. I haven't, um, I haven't seen a bad one yet. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the snow. So. Yeah. I, want, I still want those white boards made by MMP. Well, you can have my um, sheet, Dave. Well, Thanks. I'll... <laughs> Isn't that and, one of the best things about playing Vassal? Well, oh, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I still have not got on. You can change the colors. Oh, yeah, you change the, the hills, drop the hills off. Yeah. Make them for us. Yep. I love Vassal. Yeah, what are the little palm tree X's or is this orchard? Uh, orchard. Oh, yeah, yeah so orchard, it's orchard it's without it's leaves. Yeah, little, uh, <laughs> yeah it automatically. Right, right. It's, 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 when you set the date, it automatically yeah, yeah. kicks the orchard out. Yeah, but it leaves the woods as kind of woods. And takes away the green. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and brush into open ground depending on the density yeah, no of the no snow. Brush. Yeah, but a deep snow would uh, do that, would turn brush. Well, not, not in the start of the game. Is it, yeah. it turn the trees brown, too? Uh, They're less green, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. I noticed that before. A little frosty or something. Yeah, it's hard to see the, the, the roads, though. And you did make all your commanders on here named Hallett. That's right. In honor of Jeff. Yes. So I'll have to take that with me to the next recording session with Jeff. And, uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for coming and for playing. We'll get some other reports. Feel free to hang around or okay. or take off, whatever you need to do. Thanks for inviting me, Dave. Great time. Yeah. Now here's Rich Domovic. Did I say that pro- properly? Yes, yes indeed. Not Domovic. It's a good uh, name from somewhere in Croatia. Uh, <laughs> I'm recording. Uh, basically, we had another nice get-together at Dave's, and um, I played uh, Mike Stubitz, and, and he waxed me in a scenario called Parafroggers. It's an FT scenario. Uh, I had about 11 447s and a couple of lights, and I had to basically penetrate a, a very tough but small group of four 648s and one half squad with a couple of uh, light machine guns and a 10 2 and 9 1 armor leader. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 10 2 and 9 1 leaders, and then later uh, three tanks come in. They're, or it's 1940, so they're early tanks, but they have, I'm sorry, it's 45, uh, but they're tanks with canister. And um, all right, it was a, it was a good battle. He broke a lot of my guys because I have to cross a bunch of open ground. So I was, you know, doing the dance of half squads, and I, I over developed, I over um, deployed half squads. And, and oh wait, wait, what do you mean over deployed half? Well, squads? I mean I used a, I, they call they consider an over deploy uh, strategy. Where you just deploy and deploy and deploy and deploy. And out of my eleven squads, I ended up with probably six deployed and four full squads. Too many the lights. Do you think it was too many guys deployed? No, I, I, no, I think it's a strategy. I think okay. it's actually okay. the way to go in that scenario. Yeah. Because you have to go. You have very little cover, and so you have to make them shoot. You know, and it's ten two, and it, you know you, you're you're getting eight down threes and stuff, which means you know your half squads are vaporizing. But you know you just try to tie them up and then make some progress. And then you try to punch a hole somewhere, and his 10-2 was pretty tough. I had a bunch of shots at him. Yeah, I remember you, I hear you mention him several times. No, yeah, that little <laughs> SOB. I had about four sixes or eight shots on him, eight plus one, six plus one. He, he of course, as his 10-2 is a like to do, shrugged them all off. If I broke them, I had a shot, but I never did break them, and so I ended up having to run about uh, 
I had to get um, seven points of, um, yeah, of infantry, basically, across to a certain hex row. And I, I got seven to the next row, and, and, um, and, and he broke them on the last turn with a normal morale check, and that ended. It, it, was, it was closer than I thought it would be, closer than he thought it would be, but he played very well, and, it, and it's a fun scenario. I might, um, I, I might suggest it's a reasonable tournament scenario. Yeah, so you think it was pretty well balanced then? I mean, yeah, I thought it was pretty well balanced. Well, I, I do. I think so. Well, I know from my from my pers- perspective, um, early on, it's you you'd mentioned it was a struggle, and then when you went to the restroom, um, of course, we right away we jumped over and said, "What's going on, Mike?" <laughs> he said, "You know, I I, I said, Did, have you ever beaten Rich before?" He goes, "No, I, I never have." And then uh, he said, uh, "Um." He's going to pull this out. Look what he's doing here. He's going to pull this out. So it sounded like both of you thought it came down to a tight game. It, it really did. And, and I, I got a break near the end, too, is that one of my squads went berserk and charged the 10-2, which, um, and, and the 10-2 could not kill him. He just, uh, you know, so he tied him up, and then I could run guys by. So, but as I said, it was a fun game. Mike's a good opponent, and um, it's always a nice get-together here. So take care. All right. Thanks for coming by. Okay. And our third game tonight was played by Mark Woods and Ron Schatz. And what game did you play? Scenario 23, Under the Knoll Trees, one of Mark's selections. My first time playing uh, since I just got Yanks from you uh, a few months oh, ago. Oh, that's Dave. right. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. And I love Under the Knoll Trees. I think mostly I just love the name and that it was in the <laughs> snow. Everyone knows how much I just love snow. Well, and the snow was, I, mean, I thought that would be really interesting, but it really doesn't it didn't change come into play. My, no, it doesn't change much. The only, pe- the only people who got is the Germans that are moving, and they have the winter camouflage. Uh, what's with the Americans now? But in, in the winter camouflage really did not come into play much for me. I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved having winter camouflage. I could have moved all the way up in here. Anyway. But, of course, this classic game... Uh, the Germans have to exit four of seven vehicles, or three if they score more kind of right. victory points. Which is what I was going for at the end there. I did have more victory points than Ron. Uh, but boy, he just he decimated my tank. So I was making a run down the, uh, let's see, what, what side? That's your point? right flank? Down my right flank. Or the American left, yeah. And, uh, and I had an advanced tank going down there, and I exposed one of his tank destroyers. Uh, and he promptly destroyed me. Two X range, and so then I brought in three, uh, three of my other tanks, three seventy six Ls, and stopped them all to try to take out that tank destroyer. <laughs> the next turn, Ron had three great rolls and took out all three of my tanks instead. We had two rate rolls, and um, yeah, and we were no longer moving. You were no longer. There was no modifiers because I had straight stopped rolls. to get a better shot. Yep, straight rolls. After we repositioned the turret, the leader popped his head, and there's four tanks on the other side of the board. So I thought I could still get three off on the other side since both tank destroyers were then revealed to be on the on the right flank, um, and and I got two off quickly. My third got got, uh, got mired with a bazooka, and that bazooka took me out quickly. So that was the end of the game right there. Yeah, I think right. one of the real exciting things that we had happen there is a uh, is I did go berserk on the uh, yeah M ten in the woods there. He, he rushed the uh, the stone building. It was, what, five hexes away from him. And he broke, he got a heat of battle roll, and he rolled an 11. So he went berserk, and he rushed the stone building. And, and I shot at him, and I shot at him, and I shot at him, and Triple, he was on me. <laughs> Triple point blank, and I still got through that. Yeah. 
That's so, always fun. So then we got into a, a close combat in there. He just wiped my, wiped the floor with me. That's all it is. So he had, wow, I was going, wow, I was have to move my center way over. And he was wondering why I was rushing all my guys in, just because the one guy with the bazookas didn't fire the bazookas earlier. And this one's got a unique rule in the early games to where you don't have to have the support weapons on board before you use them. Oh, right. You can leave them marked on off board right. as to who has the bazooka. It's like having a German, you know, so I was more effectively a German Panzerfaust without having to roll for a it. A Shrek guy, yeah. And that actually right. ended up playing a big role in the game because it, it was clear that, I, that I was just going to run off the board. And so Ron was trying to bring some infantry in to surround my last AFB. And here I had two 6258s with a captured um, medium machine gun. In that stone house. It, right. And I just started taking out. I, I was vaping troops that were coming in around. We were on the back, the back side of them, but not working on the ones that were threatening. He the didn't tank. realize they were going to kick his ass. Right. On the tank. So I had forced him to soak his fire off in one area and to move my guys in and attempted to shoot at the With tank. two bazookas yes. against his third tank. Yes. Exactly. And then advanced into his silent position. Yes, you should have probably prep fired more. I should have prep fired with a captured machine gun. Yep, that was a, a big mistake. I could have took that one gun. Mm-hmm. So, hey, well played, Ron. Good things. strategy at the end there. Way to save the game. Old-fashioned infantry. Duck and die. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you for uh, coming out tonight. Uh, of course, probably a well-balanced scenario. I haven't checked it online. It is well-balanced. I can't see how. Yeah, I can't see how it wouldn't be. It's, um, I think it slightly favors the Americans, but if it is pretty close. Depends on okay. what you read. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys, for coming. All right, in our fourth game tonight, we had eight players this evening, and uh, no mercy in Bercy. That is correct. By Ian, De- the late great Ian Daglish, and I kind of. Really wish that he was still with us so I could call him up and talk about the game here. He loved the hedgerows, and um, so Dave and I reviewed the hedgerow rules. I think we played them all accurately. Didn't need them too much, actually. Yeah, the bocage. The bocage, sorry, the bocage, yeah. Yes, hedgerow, same thing, actually. Um, And in in No Mercy and Bercy, we have this 9838s. Uh, German force coming on infantry, two flamethrowers. So my approach was to go toward this front building. They can take two buildings and win or exit the points. And I really liked having that variety of um, uh, victory conditions because I think it made the game much better than allowing the British to just defend these two buildings. There's a J3 is a forward fortified building the British start in. And I went for that, kind of up like the left center, and then sent the fl- two flamethrowers around the right flank to work their way down the gully, or by there, back to the left, knocking out the British to take that second building in H5. And Dave, what did you think? Yeah, well, I, and I had put a little half squad. I, I figured that he was more of a uh, you know lost cause there, maybe push you off a turn, maybe turn and a half. Um, I guess I didn't realize that rule about a half squad on a fortified building you can come in. So I guess I found that out and learned. Oh, I thought. But uh, I thought either you knew that. either way, um, it was kind of it was there to kind of you know not necessarily let you just kind of barrel on through, and and that's part of the victory condition anyway here. So you had to take two of the three, and I didn't really want to just give it to you. So I thought I put them there. Um, your flamethrowers off on the right, my left, um, certainly were effective. 
Yeah, they came in and started uh, ticking out half squat here, half squat there, yeah, half had, squat here, and got to the gully. It was really just the two or three squads. Yeah, two flames. I had three squads over there, and I ended up having one half squad that ran away um, and never to come back again. But um, you barreled through in there, and, and then uh, your three tanks pulled up to meet me as I came out of the gully, <laughs> the OBA. The OBA was certainly was effective, effective tonight. The um, more, most effective I've seen in a long time. And as, most, as people know, Dave and I, when we play OBA, I'm usually not very good at it. It just kind of doesn't work out. I pull the red card. I can't roll for beans. Um, tonight it all just kind of came together. So part of that I owe to luck, but um, it, it was landing just in the right spot, the right time, uh, the good rolls. Although, you know, they, I think they averaged a little bit, but I thought it seemed like I was rolling well when, roll I, ne- real when well. I needed to, so it certainly <clears throat> yeah. happened for me tonight. It, it's nice to sometimes to complain about the rolls. You blame the rolls for your game playing, but uh, tonight I guess I have to credit them because they were they did well when I needed yeah, them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the British, Dave's got his radio in H5 over here in the second building, and he's got some ends up having some really good line of sights because he can hit the hill to the left. The hill behind him, if the Germans somehow got up there, the next to the ravine. So, and then in this orchard area, you can see most of the orchard, right? Yeah, I kind of played in Plinth there. I wasn't sure, but I thought, well, I can see most of the middle. So I thought that that was kind of a good happy medium, and, and it actually kind of worked out okay for this scenario. Um, and then having a little half squad light. Up in the steeple in church there. That, Light machine gun. Yeah, that worked out okay. He actually broke a couple guys. He did. He, he did okay in the line of sight. Of course, that helped a little bit so you wouldn't gain concealment back. I, but that that wasn't planned. That just kind of worked out that way, too. So, um, And then off to my right, a um, couple, um, couple squads and uh, two tanks that didn't even move or do anything the whole game. They were kind of holding off that his reinforcements would kind of come over on my right side or through his left side. So they were just kind of hanging out there waiting. So they didn't really, they didn't do much in this scenario. So we got the end of turn three, correct, pretty much? Yeah. And all I have left on the board is a heroic leader and a broken couple half squads and another leader maybe. You've got you've got one. Oh, and an A38 and a melee in the fortified building still. This is... Which could come back. I could. mean, that could be points so, that you so, could get the run across. So that would give me. There. Yeah, I mean, to get exit 24 points, it would take everyone in the convoy and that squad, 838, or those two broken half squads over there, and they're not coming back. And I still have all my tanks. Although my, yep. I only have a few squads left, so. Yeah, that it ended up. You could. lost one in the half, one in the melee, and then. Yeah. But anyway, it's. So strategically, or. Uh, I, I, I don't know if the. The, the, the Germans have to watch out for the OBA, and it's pre-registered, and it's plentiful ammo, so he's not pulling reds much, and it's just going to be a trick. You know, if you, once you know where that is, maybe the Germans should just avoid that. Or really spread out across the whole board, but then you move slower, but yeah, maybe that's just, I don't know. You can't punch through anywhere, but... Um, yeah, and then I don't know what the tanks, you know, the half-tracks would have a real time trying to get off. But right. the flamethrowers, you know, there was a moment when they, it looked like they could take out two tanks over here. Then I think one of them might have got into the building, actually, too, by himself. 
So had I not lost so much in the center with all that OBA loss, right? Um, there would have been support for that. And then you would have had some Panzer Faust shots at these tanks in this close terrain. So it's pretty close terrain here. Yeah, and, and I think even with those... I mean, I've never been that successful with your with the flamethrowers that you did. You didn't roll over 10, never broke, and it ran out of fuel. I mean, you did well. With Until the guys were vaporized. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> with uh, adjacent tank shots and OBA. But you shot them several turns without breaking them or running out of fuel or anything like that. So And getting shot at. and I think I took 10 shots or more. Yeah. And you were pinned a couple times, but that was about all I could do to him. Yeah. Yep. So So anyway, a balance, I don't really know. Um, I'm thinking with the British OBA, it's so difficult. It says um, British OBA has normal ammunition and no pre-registered hex. And I was rolling some nines there for the radial contact, so it's possible that I could have missed some OBAs. would have changed the game a little bit. Take two of the black cards out of the deck. Right, might yep. be important. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I think it's hard for the German to win, Dave. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the score is for this. You know, I'm gonna I'm where... gonna look it up and then I'm gonna bet that. Um, if you, what if you? So did you say Rich Domovich played this? Yeah, I think, he, I think he did. I think he said he lost against the Germans. I forgot what he had with the Germans. With the Germans, correct. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think about the strategy. If it was, if you were totally spread out across the board, I would be spread. It'd be hard pressed to try to. Yeah, you just meet the British one to one, and with the tank supported for the British, right? And maybe then you can get across. Then you got reinforcements coming in turn four, as long as you're patient, slow, and kind of maybe. What? I, I think don't know. once you encounter the OBA, you got to go around it. Correct. Totally. Just get out, get away. But once I was broken and Dave could hit him multiple times. Yeah. With the OBA, because he got lucky on one. Yeah. He shot at an area and it was off and it went the one hex over enough to catch a broken stack. stack. Broken, right, yes. And that was just too brutal with nine squads to lose like two squads right there. Yeah. So anyway. It was a fun scenario. I don't know. It would be tough. I, I'm trying to think if I was on the German side, what my strategy would be. It's easy to say now, but, I mean, the setup could be different for the British. Who knows? I, I think it's a tough one. I'd be interested to see what the balance actually is. All right, and the Roar record says British 24, German 17. Okay. So well, a little tougher for the German. But I can see it now. If you uh, manage to get into the hedgerow area and... And punt, you know, Panzerfaust a couple, a tank or two across the street. Sure. And you suddenly got a hole. You can start flooding across there and pose some real problems. So. Yeah, I think it, I think it's tough. I I don't know what I would do as a German, but. Um, I didn't make a lot of morale checks. Yeah. Yeah. Two. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I hear you. So it was good. I mean, of course, I won because that's that's not normal, but. And I said I was going to let Dave win to make up for the last bid loss, taking a lot of time out of it. And then I didn't really let you win. It just, <laughs> it worked just out got that way. caught in that OBA and couldn't get out. And then, um, yeah, just didn't didn't intend for that to happen. Just kind of crumbled. Yep. I did intend to kind of get on that second building. and But anyway. All right, thanks for coming, Dave. All right, very good. Thank you. All right, that was
was it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. That was episode 92 in the can. and Really? 92? Yeah. Wow. And out to the world. All right. And so we are thanking you for listening, and we look forward to talking with you next time. Until then, we remain your very own. Loyal to Half Squads. And meanwhile. Roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye. Or when you're playing against the Japanese. Sayonara. Isn't that great? That's a great idea. I got it. Do we need that? <laughs> I don't have the punchline. Oh. <laughs> so I was going to see if you had one. <laughs> Do we need that? It was pretty good, but... Oh, Dave. Dave. All yeah. we need now is money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, is it still recording? Yeah. We can just pick the one we like. Yeah. Oh, all we need now is money. Yeah. Or, Dave, just one thing. What? Oh, Jeff. Okay. Dave, just one thing. What? What, Jeff? We don't make any money. <laughs> right? I think that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. No, that's fine.